Great combinations. What are some great combinations in your life? Well, one that many of us could say is marriage, right? Marriages are made in heaven but lived on on earth. Let me see. How many have you been married for? 10 years? 20? 30? 40? 50? 60? Wow, we have some 60s and 70s. Great combinations, marriage. Food isn't great unless you sometimes have the right toppings or condiments. I can't eat a hot dog without mustard. And of course, there's no onions, okay? Have foods like that you just can't eat unless you have something else with this? Maybe french fries and ketchup, maybe hot sauce with pizza, whatever your delight is. Just can't enjoy a cold beverage without ice cubes in it, right? For me, the colder the better. You're the type of person that can't enjoy a hot chocolate unless you have little marshmallows on top. You know what I'm talking about? There's certain things that you add to food that make it wonderful. And weather, to me, is a, really a combination. I was at a track meet with my younger brother Friday. About 60 degrees, clear skies, and a little bit of breeze was wonderful. All these things are great combinations. Can you refer to that? You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know I'm sort of a history buff, so there's a TV show that was on about 10, 12 years ago called Man, Moment, Machine. They're great combinations that just all happen to come together at the same time that make a big difference. So let's see if you can guess these. Gutenberg, the inventor of the printing press, and what was the era? Do you know it? What's it called? Now, we should all know it here as Lutherans. What? Reformation. Wasn't for the printing press by Gutenberg, chances are that wouldn't have been so successful. So let's touch your sweet tooth. H.B. Reese was a dairy farmer for Hershey. Uh, America had a desire for treats that were inexpensive. And so H.B. Reese wanted to have a new confectionery. So he mixed peanut butter and Hershey's chocolate together. Well, you know, you got chocolate in my peanut butter, peanut butter in my chocolate. Hence, what is the candy? Say it. Most successful candy brand in America. $2 billion years worth of sale. Wow, cool. How about this? Ohio's own President James Garfield. He was shot. Uh, some dirty doctor with his hand. Some dirty doctor's hand got poked in there. He had a great infection. But then the next combination was Thomas Edison, and, that, and due to that, uh, he helped invent the X-what? X-ray. Great combinations. Unfortunately, President Garfield died, but that was a combination. Many people know this, Florence Nightingale, the Crimean War, and she began what profession? Nursing. Wow, the School of Nursing. She was a Christian woman. Without nurses, doctors would be... Um, would be really a difficult position. Hospitals and other medical centers could not exist without nurses. Let's do one more. Graham Bell, the need for mass communication and the invention of what? Anybody remember the first word spoken over the telephone? What was it? Watson? Yeah, thank you. Watson, come here, okay. Great combinations. Well, let's get into scripture. Great combination. The centurion. Him and another leader were in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. His daughter was ill. Matter of fact, someone said his daughter was dead. And he simply looked to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you heal her? And you don't even need to go there. You just say the word and she will be healed. Great combinations. The need, death, and our Lord's word and she was healed. And so today, the base of my sermon comes from 1 John. What's 1 John about? False teachers. The Apostle John, who was the only apostle, wasn't martyred. He was placed on the Isle of Patmos. There he wrote the book of Revelation. He died of old age. All the other apostles were martyred for their faith. 
and he wrote the letter of 1 John. So it's a great combination. A very wise Christian among false teachers. So he wrote the book of 1 John, so we're going to get into that. Because the book of 1 John is really the Christian combination of faith, love, and righteousness. Faith, love, and righteousness. So let's start with faith. Sometimes people ask me, Pastor, how do I know I'm a Christian? The mere fact that you're asking me that question is a very good sign. It means you care. How do I know that I have faith? Those are all very good questions. Let's see what Scripture says. Let's dig into 1 John. What John says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friends in Christ, faith is a gift. It's not something we decide upon. It's not something we're necessarily born into. We can't be forced into it. We can be exposed to it, but anyone who has faith, it's due to a gift of God. Not by the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but by God. And so today, we receive new members, specifically a young lady, who by the power of the Holy Spirit will confess faith. Faith is a gift from God. What else about faith? And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. So faith is belief. It's an act of the heart. It's an act of trust. There's one thing to know, and there's another thing to trust. There's one thing to know, and there's another thing to wrap my, wrap my heart around it. Belief is wrapping my heart around it. What else? Can you read this verse with me? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Not so much here because I've only been your pastor for two years, but in my previous congregation where I served 15 years, occasionally I run into an inactive member. And the inactive members sometimes have shields up and says, but pastor, I believe. I know John 3.16, you know. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes shall not die, but have eternal life. So I know, I know that verse. But the question for us believers is, are we sorry for our sin? To simply say a person has knowledge and knows John 3.16, and they're not repentant in their heart, that is not a Christian. For a Christian knows that Jesus died for their sin because they know they're a sinner, and repentance is a daily activity. We pray it every day in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we what? Forgive those who trespass against us. For a Christian always repents. Maybe five minutes or five seconds after they sin. Because if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. Even though a person has head knowledge, if their heart isn't wrapped around the gospel and their heart doesn't ask for forgiveness, that's not a sign of faith. Faith daily says, God, forgive me, for I've sinned. What else is there about faith? By this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And here's where the false teachers arrive. The false teachers say that God is just a spirit. No way can God be in the flesh. But that's contrary to what we know. Christmas is God comes in the flesh. Good Friday is that God died in the flesh. Easter Sunday is that God rose in flesh. We confess that when Jesus comes again, that we will all have new and resurrected what? Bodies. I believe in the resurrection of the body. The false teacher said, no, sort of flesh is bad. But remember, God made all things good. Christ, God, came in the flesh. He lived, he died, and rose in the flesh. And we believers in Jesus will rise with new bodies in the flesh. What else about Christians? Everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. 
You see, faith has a special camaraderie with other believers. It's a different sort of family. It's an eternal family. So what is faith? Well, faith is born in the Spirit. Faith is sorry for sin. Faith wraps its heart around Jesus. Faith knows that Christ came in the flesh. And faith knows other people of faith. That's a blessing of faith. Now, another question. Do Christians really need to love God and love others? Does a Christian need to love? Well, the answer is rather obvious, yes. If I have a fruit tree in my backyard that isn't producing fruit, one of two things is happening. The fruit tree is rather very ill, or the fruit tree is what? Dead. You see, Christians will bear fruit. Christians will love. Christians are not cold-hearted. Christians are not apathetic. What is apathy? Apathy is I so, I'm so concerned about myself I can't love others. It's also non-responsive. Love comes from faith. What does Scripture say about love? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. More on that later. What else about love? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the person only thinks about themselves, that is not Christian. A Christian will automatically love and care for others. What else does 1 John tell us about love? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone laid down his life for his friends. I think you heard about Memorial Day and that type of love. Most of us are familiar with this verse on what occasion? 1 Corinthians 13. When's most of the time we hear this? Go ahead, say it. Yeah, we hear it all the time at weddings. It's sort of a mushy, gushy, feel-good sort of thing sometimes. But take a look at those words closely because the definition of love is action. I had a professor in grad school who was somewhat of a skeptic, agnostic. He said, no one can define love for me. So I wrote down these words. And he said to me, they come very close. And I responded, no, they're divine. Here's the definition of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. What about you and me? Can we put your name there? Are you patient? Am I kind? Do you envy? Do you boast? Am I arrogant or rude? What about you? Do you insist in your own way? Are you irritable and resentful? You see, love is action to and for people. Dr. Martin Luther said that faith is always accompanied by works. Notice it's not that works leads to faith. Faith is never alone. It's always accompanied by works. Hence, James says faith without works is dead. Love is a fruit of the Christian. A Christian will automatically and naturally love others. So here's a pastor luring story from Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. There was a father who was on a train in New York City taking a half-hour commute from the hospital back home. He had four small children with him. He's sitting in the back of the train. He looked down an outcast. He's looking on the ground. In the meantime, his children are bouncing all over the place, running up and down that, that train car, jumping on the poles. They'd bounce into people who were reading newspaper. They'd land in a seat next to someone sitting there, and after a few minutes, you could tell the other passengers were rather irritated. They looked back at the man, and the man just looked down, very distraught. And the children kept on bouncing around. 
jumping on a pole, jumping a seat, trying to maintain themselves. And finally, a passenger said, well, someone go back and talk to the father. He needs to do his job. What's the matter with this guy? Where you think the train is a place, this train car is a PlayStation? And someone came back and said, are you their father? He goes, yeah. Well, what's wrong with you? What's going on? And the man looked down and said, we just came from the hospital. Their mother has been fighting cancer for six months, and this morning she died. Maybe take a little different perspective on the children bouncing a little bit more sensitivity to others. You see, love is always to and for others. Love comes from faith. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. We could be mad at someone, but hopefully we don't hate anyone. Hate is the opposite of a Christian's attitude toward others. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We love one another. We might struggle, might be angry, but we never hate. I think it was um, Mark Twain, Samuel Clemens, who once said about hate. He talked about someone he didn't like. He said, I didn't go to their funeral, but I approved of it. I didn't care for that person, so I read their obituary with a smile on my face. Friends in Christ, love is a fruit of faith. Love comes from faith. It's a connection to faith. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Love is action to and for others. And finally, faith produces righteousness. You know the answer. Is a Christian's life to be what? No, absolutely it's to be different. You see, by faith and by love we overcome the world. Can you read this with me? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is that that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, faith overcomes the world, and faith leads to righteousness. Overcoming the world is righteousness. The world is about me and forget you. The world is about what's best for me, myself, and I, the false trinity, and forget you. But by faith we overcome the world. Faith is righteousness. What else can we dig from Scripture about righteousness? All wrongdoing is sin, but there's a sin that does not lead to death. Righteousness is confessing my sin. Lord, I didn't do what's right. Forgive me. That's righteousness. What else about righteousness from faith? For this is the message you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should be not like who? Cain, who is the evil one and murdered his brother. Why? Because he brought a lousy offering. His brother brought a fine offering. He was displeased that God was pleased with Abel's offering. Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Doing what is evil is unrighteous. Do what is righteous. What else does Scripture tell us about that? If we say we have fellowship with him when we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. Practicing the truth is righteousness. But if we walk in the light, which is righteousness, he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, which is righteousness. I read about a Christian young, I read about a young man, and in his early 20s, sharp-looking young man, and he wanted to find out about world religions. And he didn't go to a university, he was an English student, he didn't go to a university to learn about world religions, he did it the right way. He explored it himself. So this was his plan. I'm going to live six months with a Buddhist family, six months with a Hindu family, six months with an agnostic or an atheist, 
six months with a Taoist, six months with a Muslim. I'm going to live six months with a Jew, Jewish family. I live six months with a Christian family. And he was knocking down the list. And he was a servant. He was a very good servant, so everyone desired him. Polite, sharp-looking, dedicated, punctual. And he lived with a number of different families. And the time for him to come was to live with a Christian family. He was doing this in India. There's a lot of religions in India. And he lived with a Christian family for six months and observed everything they did. And at the end of six months, he went up to the to family and said, i got to leave you now. I need to go to a Jewish family. He said, what are you talking about? We don't want you to leave. You're a wonderful servant. I mean, we pay you well. We treat you well. He says, I know. Well, what's going on? He said, well, you see, I'm really learning about world religions. And I want to learn about Christianity. And I heard you were a Christian family. So I came to live with you and see how you live. And the Christian family responded, well, I wish you would have told us before this began so we might have lived differently. That is never, ever to be the reason. Let our light shine. Let us show forth righteousness in repentance and faith. Faith overcomes the world. Faith leads us to righteousness. Faith practices that what is good. Faith walks in the light. What else can we say? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So uh, Tuesday, um, my lovely wife told me of an accident that took place in Morton, where my other daughter lives. And there is a school teacher there, a Lutheran school teacher that we knew. Matter of fact, she came to my granddaughter's baptism. And she was a second grade school teacher at the Lutheran school, and she got tragically killed in a car accident Tuesday night. And I didn't know her very well, but it upsets me because it upsets my daughter. But yet the church and the Christian community there is responding in love. Very warm tributes. Matter of fact, they canceled second grade for two days to let the students mourn. And the funeral is tomorrow, so you might do it right. Even though the pain is lost, the pain is hard and painful, a 25-year-old Christian young woman, but they still celebrate that she'll be with the Lord in dealing with grief. That is overcoming the world by righteousness. We have grief, we have pain, but we know we'll see our loved one today, and that's what they all affirm. And how they handle that in love and dignity and care is righteousness. It speaks volumes. It's a blessing to serve here when we do the same with those who have recently died and other tragedies that we have faced. Deal with it in righteousness. Do it the right way. Friends in Christ, faith brings love. Faith brings righteousness. Overcome the world. One last combination. This is the one who has come by water and blood, Jesus Christ. How by water? He is baptized. He began his ministry. How by blood? He's born in the flesh as God. How by blood? He died on a cross and shed his blood, and the Spirit gives us testimony to that. The Spirit says, look at Jesus, the water, his baptism, by his death. See the picture there? We're near the end of our Lord's crucifixion. The soldiers punched the spear where? In his side. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. He's in the flesh there. And what? One of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with his spear, bringing the sudden flow of what? Blood and water. It's a blessing for us. In the waters of baptism, we are called. There, Nicole was baptized yesterday, called into faith, brought into faith. In the blood of the Lord's Supper, we are redeemed and renewed. 
Holy Spirit confirms that all. Our blessed combination, our baptism, communion, receiving his blessings. What a joy that is. Friends in Christ, that great connection. Faith, love, righteousness. Water, blood, Holy Spirit that keeps us in faith until the day that we die. What a blessing that is till we go to heaven. How about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? Water, blood, and spirit crying. By their witness testifying. To the one whose death defying. Life has come. Life for all. And all God's people say...